0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is maybe a sadder than usual Houston Cougar alum after a tough end to an incredible UH basketball season It's Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. Thanks for doing this, Sean. And what are your emotions after Saturday?
0: I mean, it was obviously a tough loss yesterday. Um, but. You know, I I feel like I'm kind of like everybody else, you know, everybody that you heard from, like with the staff and the players and probably other media personalities that have followed this team all season long. And really for a number of years now, Um, you got to be happy with the way that this uh, this run went, you know, a run to the elite eight after, you know, the injuries that they sustained and, you know, some of the character challenges uh, along the season. Um, there were needed some discipline, some attitude adjustments along the way. I think most teams do. I mean, the way that this team responded down the stretch and the clutch to make this run, I mean, you couldn't be happier. I mean, I certainly would have liked to have ended it, um, you know, as uh, NCAA champions because, Robert, if that would have happened, and I think it was a really um, a, a realistic opportunity for them, and I know there was going to be some tough teams, they were gonna to have to go through Kansas and on the other side of the bracket, maybe a Duke or a Purdue, something like that. But the reason why I was really looking forward to that is because the Cougars as a program had the opportunity, you know, 30 years ago to cement themselves in NCAA history in the five slamajama air. And they just couldn't do it over NC State. They just couldn't do it over Georgetown and Patrick Ewing, you know, Valvano and Ewing stood in their way and um. I thought that if they would have won the title this year, that would have gone down as probably um, the toughest road ever to win an NCAA title, not just because of the injuries, but because of the seeds that they would have knocked off to do that. You know, they they beat a number 15 the first round. They went through a number four. They went through a number one. Villanova was a number two. Um, on the other side, I was really pulling for Purdue because that would have, completed the trifecta they would have knocked off a one a two and a three and a four really so the golden sombrero and they're the five that would have been huge and the first five to ever win a title by the way that that could have been them this year
1: not just that you know trying to come back after losing all five of your starters that you took to a final four losing probably your two best players and mark and sasser i want to talk about the villanova game though sean because going to the game i felt good because Nova didn't have the NBA talent some of the teams do. Uh, that type of team made me nervous with U of H being talent that depleted with Sasser and Mark. You know, that the type of team that U of H had, I'm saying, made me nervous. I also felt great with basically having a home court advantage and major props to Coog Nation that traveled to San Antonio. But when you look at it, I mean, it, it felt like it was there for the taking, which is I think one of the things that made, made me a little bit frustrated.
0: I, I think the journey that the Cougars were on this year and, you know, a, a lot of the, the really good basketball minds that were on coverage, you know, on TNT, CBS uh, throughout this tournament. I mean, they know this team. And that's one of the really in, more enjoyable things about watching the coverage is that these guys know their basketball. They know these teams, and the fact that Houston has put themselves in a position to be respected um, by other talking heads and uh basketball analysts throughout the course of the season is huge. So, you know, me like them, like I think a lot of other people that have followed this team for so many years, in particular this season, I, I felt really good about their chances uh going into that Villanova matchup on Saturday. The thing that really worried me was the shot making ability because this is a team you know that has been very very streaky um and really struggled all season long with three ball with a number of players and edwards and sheed i know uh uh, you know stepped up um huge a couple of games ago and, and that was great but there's always that fear in the back of your mind, like, can they continue this? You know, like, when are they going to hit a wall? When are the threes not going to fall? When can they capitalize on their free throw making and being one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the entire nation? That was my concern. And the way that that game played out um, Saturday in the first half, it, it was like my worst my biggest concerns were kind of like coming to life. They got in early foul trouble. They weren't making threes. They weren't hitting free throws. um, They were turning the ball over. And it just seemed like it was trending to be one of those games, Robert, kind of like the Baylor game last year in the final four, when they ended up smoking the Cougs because of many of the same issues that they were having. And, And the difference between then and now was this team, is not going to be out athleted by a lot of other squads. They've got some dudes, they've got the length, they've got the size, they've got the smarts. Just unfortunately for them, you know, yesterday, I-, I just thought it came down to a couple of things, not necessarily what they didn't do well early because they made it a game. They tied this game. And when you tie a game, no matter what time, it's always a brand new ball game. I just thought second chance opportunities, they got plenty of them and they couldn't capitalize when they went beast mode on the offensive glass in the second half. And then they missed some terrific wide open looks at three down the stretch. It just really hurt them.
1: Was there anything that you were yelling at your TV for Kelvin Sampson to do, Sean? Because here's what was driving me crazy. Three quarters through the first half, I could tell this was totally at Nova's pace. They were going to out the Cougs if that continued. I was desperately yelling at Sampson, start trapping the basketball, not necessarily full court, but definitely half court. They needed those live ball turnovers for some easy baskets
0: and they needed to make it frantic. I think it's a really good point. Um, this is kind of, it's kind of a systematic thing, right? I, I don't know how much college basketball you typically watch, Robert, throughout the course of a season. I mean, if you're like me, most of my watching, most of my viewing comes during March Madness outside of just the Cougs alone. But what really bothers me is that, and I'm sure there's a reason for it. I know you want to keep your players fresh, and given the cougs in particular, you know, going with a seven, eight man rotation at best, um, you're limited in what you can do. You've got to keep guys out of foul trouble, and you've got to keep guys fresh. Those are Kelvin Sampson, and that staff's two main priorities when it comes to just bodies on the floor. But what I would like to see more often, and what I really thought you needed to do uh, against Villanova. Is don't be so systematic with the press. We can we can count two or three instances during the course of your average college basketball game when you're going to see a press. And I thought it was so predictable, and it worked out. The Cougs executed it a couple times late on the full court press yesterday. It's what you know had them an opportunity with 25 seconds um, to even still be in that game. They couldn't get those shots to fall. But I would like to see some intermittent like challenges. You know, from Kelvin Sampson defensively, like, let's challenge them on a press here. You know, let's catch them off guard. Doesn't mean you have to come right back to it. It doesn't mean that if Villanova execute breaking that full court press to perfection, it doesn't mean it's not going to work the next possession. You have to be a little bit unpredictable with that. And I just thought the Cougs missed some opportunities there because it became clear, you know, and I might be getting this time stamp wrong, but I'd say with about 10, 11 minutes left in that half, the energy just changed. And Taze Moore brought it all. And he just kind of flipped script on everybody. He got everybody to kind of follow him. Sheed wasn't making shots. Edwards wasn't making shots. Um, you know, the bigs weren't getting the books the that they typically would in the paint. They were getting great opportunities at second chance uh, points. But nothing was falling. I thought Taze Moore and his athleticism just really kept the Cougs in that game and gave him a great opportunity to pull uh, a miracle out after trailing by as much as 11 a few times in that game yesterday. That that was really my only thing, Robert, is just let's not be so predictable, so systematic on, on, on the press.
1: Yeah, and that's my point. That was my point. You know, at least try to trap him a little bit. At the end of the half, the the second half, because it it was basically like the the, the Villanova was doing what the Cougs do and and you couldn't do anything about it. And they were going to make it into a shorter game because they were running out the clock every time. The second half was like, okay, Villanova, they take off 30 seconds off the clock. They miss a shot. The Cougs, uh, uh, you know, they're playing their mirror image. So the Villanova might get the rebound and then you're wasting another 30 seconds. They're limiting possessions. They already had the lead. They're taking the air out of the ball. It was very Coug-like and the only way you get out of that is do something different. And you mentioned Tajay Moore. I mean, it's, it's one of the great stories of the season, what he's done and what he's come through and what he's come back from and all of that screws all over his knees, multiple thought, whatever it is, five surgeries on his leg and all that. And he's the only guy, we knew this, Sean, the only guy that had the kind of athleticism that you lost with Sasser and Mark. You know, he was the only one that could out-athlete another team a little bit, and and he started doing that. But, a- again, the, 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 you just let Villanova shorten the game, and, you know, and you're, and you're not getting turnovers, and Villanova's too smart for the live ball turno- turnovers. And also, Sean, I-, I had the host of the Scott Holman podcast on before the tourney, and I asked him, Hey, give me the one key for this whole thing. The one key, the one guy, whatever. And I said, I told them I had one key to this tournament. Kyler Edwards shooting. He was 0 for 8. There you go. 1 for 20 for the Cougars from 3. 0 for 8 from 3, I should say, with Kyler Edwards.
0: Kyler Edwards was ginormous uh, the game before. Um, The Cougars probably don't win that game without his shooting, without his scoring ability. Um, and, and and really fearlessness to take some big shots like that. I mean, and that's what really rang through. I mean, I, I know, you know, this is, uh, you know, kind of an, an open critique. You know, this team lost. We know they did great things, and it's so hard to kind of separate, like, all of the positive that they accomplished this season because you saw. I don't know if you felt this way. And the reason why I'm kind of setting it up like this, Robert, is – that game Saturday, you know, and, and I'll be hit with like a lot of detract, detractors for saying this, but people would say the best team won. If you just watch that game, the Cougs to me just looked like the best team.
1: Hold on, because you are getting to my next thing I was going to say. I wanted to read the CBS Sports tweet After the game, I don't know if you saw this, but listen carefully. If anybody out there hasn't seen the tweet, Houston made more field goals than Nova. Houston had a better field goal percentage than Nova. Houston had more blocks and assists than Nova. Houston out-rebounded Nova 38-39. to Nova's top scorer this season, Colin Gillespie, six points on one of six attempts. Nova scored 50 points in the game. That's it. The final line of the tweet, Nova won the game. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's kind of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is, and you could you could add so much more, but I, I think other people would say, well, look, uh, look at what Shed did. You know, Shed was averaging nearly 18 points per game in the tournament, and he had an incredibly subpar game yesterday. I don't even know if he finished with 10 for the game. Uh, to go back and look at the box score, Edwards, I mean, look, all of their shooters couldn't shoot, you know, on Saturday, and that was it. And what 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 I mean and and I agree with you. I agree with all of those points in that tweet, basically. But what, what I saw last night and I went to bed thinking about it, is that just to the eye test, if you watched one singular game, you know, and, and that's what it becomes about this time of year is one singular game. Those two teams in the Elite Eight duking it out to see who's going to be one of four teams in the entirety of college basketball remaining to do something special this year. The Cougs, to me, looked like the better team. And I'm not going to say better coached because, you know, Wright is a fantastic coach for Villanova and has been for so many years. I've got a lot of respect for him. I I, I was actually – I've been a big, very big Villanova fan for probably going on 20-some-odd years all the way back to Kerry Kittles. He was my guy. I love that dude. Um, So I've got respect on both sides, but I just thought athletically – discipline, effort, sure, they didn't make the shots, but the grit, the resilience that this team encapsulated this season, which really kind of harkens back to what we respected and remember, really, of those great Houston Rockets teams um, in the 90s, those championship teams, all of our favorite sports teams across the board, that's just kind of what Houston has become about and i think you know that hashtag for the city that that is so much more than just a hashtag that is so much more than a calling card that is so much more than a great catchphrase that's what it is it is always for the city this city just gets behind its teams you know when they they recognize a winner they recognize Hungry individuals, and that's what this cougar squad was, and that's why they were so fun to watch and root for all season long but i I just thought they were the better team and if not for you know a couple of missed buckets here on um, a second chance opportunity, if a three would have fallen that one at the top of the key, I think it was shed that took one late, we could be talking about something totally different today.
1: You know, three pointers, you can say that in the NBA, college of basketball. I, a lot of times, it just comes down to who makes them. The
0: free throws, free throws. Well,
1: yeah, the free, free throws, obviously too. And it's unfortunate that's that's the one really bad part of of the entire Cougars game. And they do everything else right. They they just haven't been able to get the free throw thing down. You mentioned the Rockets. I just want to say for a second, I don't want to dwell too much on the Rockets, but. You know, I got Elijah Wan behind me in his Rockets uh Clutch City jersey along with Guy V. You'll see there too. On yeah. the other side of me, I got a Rockets baseball cap. This is this is on YouTube if you're listening to it on the podcast. But the Rockets, I hope they were watching this game. I hope they were taking notes. I hope Steven Silas uh has been taking notes this season. It just it doesn't seem like it because everything that you see the Cougars are doing. The Rockets are not doing during a basketball game. The the defense, the rebounding, the blocking out, the getting back on defense on the fast break, all the little minutiae. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get to Samson uh in, in a few minutes, a little bit more on Samson, but all that little minutia, Sean, that that's what U of H has become about. And it just it drives you crazy that the Rockets, all of that stuff that they don't do. And yet, we have a team across town. Basically, the same owner owns the owns the Cougars and Kelvin Sampson that owns the Rockets. And yet, it's like they're mere opposites of each other.
0: You know, I'm so glad you brought that up um, because I want to give so much credit to the job that Kelvin Sampson and that entire coaching staff, um, hell, all the way down to the video coordinators, have done, Robert. Because that's what it takes. It takes literally. Everybody. And sometimes it is a video coordinator. It is an offensive or a defensive analyst. It takes somebody with balls to sometimes step up in a meeting room or send an email or catch somebody in the hallway and tell them they noticed this, that, or the other thing. And those can make the smallest little differences and believe it. I'm telling you, believe it. That Cougar staff, every single one of those guys has massive balls because it's taken that to go from what they accomplished last year to, to not having any one of their starting five this year in the tournament to, to undergo, you know, the injuries that they've uh, sustained this year and continue to make this run to the elite eight and not be regarded as a Cinderella esque team to do so, but a team that you need to fear, you know, going down the stretch. That's that's coaching. That's just trusting each other. That's playing with the utmost confidence. That if I've only played with a guy for five games, it feels like I've played him, played with him for 55 games. And that is that difference is so incredibly stark from the Cougars to the Rockets. The Rockets just look absolutely robotic selfish um just go where the wind blows like it's like they've never played with anybody on the court before and it's almost sometimes they don't show even a willingness to want to it's well i'm going to see what i can do here the cougars the ball movement the move, the movement away from the basketball i mean you name it like this team just gets it
1: the movement with a purpose which is, that's one thing you just don't see. I said I would get back to Kelvin Sampson. I'm going to just, I got to throw this out here. And just in the last five seasons, Kelvin Sampson's Cougars have gone to the round of 32, then the sweet 16. Then they had that canceled postseason where they were 23 and eight, won the conference, then the final four, then the elite eight. Sampson's won three conference coach of the years the Cougs are 79-4 and four at home in the last five years. 79-4. and four. He has more conference titles, Sean, than Guy V. Lewis. Has the best winning percentage in UH history. The best. Has 10 NCAA tournament wins in the last four years. In the 34 years prior to that, they had none. Big zero. Sampson has more wins at U of H than James Dickey, Ray McCallum, Clyde Drexler, and Alvin Brooks combined.
0: What what more needs to be said? (laughs) Do you want me to stand up on my chair right now and say, no, Guy V. Lewis is still the greatest coach in U of H history. Hey, look, you know, I used to get berated all the time uh, when I hosted a show with Barry Warner, you know, back in the day, because a lot of the arguments that we would get into was, you know, the people that he deemed the greatest of all time, the Otto Grahams and the Joe Montanas and the Steve Youngs. And I'm like, Barry, these are all generational, you know, type things. Like, you're talking about guys that did great things 50, 60 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. And the landscape has changed now. And to your point, Robert, in the the landscape of college basketball how uber competitive is it and you never know where the sniper's going to come from you know it we we're, we we're, we're, we've entered we're not entering we've entered an era of college basketball and i know there's always one you know there's always going to be a butler there's always going to be a umbc there's always going to be an iona there's always going to be a saint peters But I mean, my gosh, just it seems like over the course of the last handful of years, we have entered an era of college basketball where if you're not careful, anybody can come up and bite you and advance to 32 or 16 or 8 or 4 and make a magical run because this is what it's all about. This is when it's magnified when you're put on the map. And I, I just think like, The job that Samson has done, the ability to really just have an opportunity to. I haven't heard one person in the last five years mention anything about the the show cause penalty. You know, like that's something I thought, Robert, that he was never going to overcome. I thought when he came to Houston after being an assistant for a number of years with the Houston Rockets, that was just always going to follow him because ah, watch out now. Now you got Penny Hardaway, you know, in the mix with all of this illegal stuff. Yeah, that that
1: was the good news on Saturday because the the Cougs lost. But yeah, yeah, that Penny and, and Memphis are now a little bit like, in trouble.
0: You know, Pesman, their AD. Look, at the end of the day, you know, he's he's a businessman as well. But when he said last night, "Get used to it," you know and Samson uttered those similar comments in his postgame presser, like, we're not going anywhere, I'm telling you right now, they're their own worst enemy. There's no need for them to go anywhere. They've put themselves on the map, and you can stay on that map. You, you do the right thing. You keep your nose clean. You keep yourself away from NCAA sanctions. You're going to the Big 12 now. Like, you've put yourself on the map as a member of the American Athletic Conference, which is basically Conference USA 2.0 um, with, with how we regarded Conference USA 10 years ago. Um, they're going to the Big 12. They get to play with some bigger boys now, and there is absolutely no reason why this program shouldn't stick around for the foreseeable future.
1: You know, I, I didn't even mention the fact that S- Sampson's done this with one first-round draft pick the whole time. That he's been there. He hasn't done this with a bunch of five stars, except of course Quentin Grimes. And and I and I want to ask you this, Sean, because you know I think Jay Wright's in that conversation. Now he's had some first round picks over the last few years, but he's in the conversation for the best coach in the country now. Uh, coach K's almost out the door. I feel like it, it's Samson and Jay Wright, and I don't know who else is in that conversation because. If you want to watch these games very closely, what you see is the Houston Cougars do all the little things well, and it's amazing, and you watch some of these other big boy schools with all their talent, and they're not doing all the things that they should be doing, and the Cougars overachieved, and there's a long list of first seeds and second seeds and third seeds that didn't get as far as as U of H. I mean, you looked at the list on Friday, and you're like, where did everybody go? Where's Auburn and Gonzaga and, you know, Tennessee and it's cetera, on and
0: on and on. No, yeah, it's, I think it's a great point. And I just think you could look at a piece of paper and it'll tell you how to uh, ascertain who is deserving of coach of the year, but, and that can be an excellent guideline, a great template. And, and I understand why it has to exist, but, People that make these decisions are college basketball fans. They know the game, um, and you can't not take into account the totality of the last five years at U of H. Um, and Samson talked about it in his post game presser yesterday. You know, from begging fans to just incentivizing them to please come to our games five years ago, and nobody would. I can't tell you how many stretches of of that kind of culture that I've been through uh, in my lifetime at U of H, you know, like it's literally been this, the ebbs and flows. And this is for all sports, basketball, baseball, football. Certainly we've experienced it, not just that creating a culture, but you're talking about prior to yesterday's loss, the possibility potentially is a better word. This could have very well been potentially a team that was making four straight final four appearances. Four straight. Because the team that got bounced in the Sweet 16 a few years ago, that was final four ready. I firmly believe that. And sometimes, you know, you don't bring your best uh, in a singular game. That team was final four ready. The postseason that was canceled, that team was final four ready. I firmly believe that. Last year's squad, And this year's squad, I thought in particular, this year's squad was built because of the experience, the totality of experience that so many of these players had. And you don't get that unless you have a coach and a staff that is making the right decisions, that knows how to coach without their star player on the court, without two of their best players on the court, without guys being fully healthy. And when they're up against it in crunch time, sometimes there are just simply better coaching decisions made. He might've been regarded before this season as maybe a top 20 coach. He's a top five coach right now. And I'll never say that he outcoached or, uh, I just won't say he outcoached right yesterday. I mean, he didn't the, the better team yesterday in a singular game did win. Villanova did more down the stretch to execute, set themselves up early uh, to be in that position to win a game and right is. Excellent coach, a Hall of Fame caliber coach. But Kelvin Sampson put his name in that class, not just this past season, but the totality of his tenure here at U of H. And that's, I firmly stand on that. When you take all of that into account, it's not about a lifetime achievement award. It is college basketball, everything that has to happen to get you to this stage. He's done it, and he's done it extremely well and better than anybody else in the country with what he's had to work with. He deserves it this year. I've
1: been a Houston sports fan my whole life, and I can remember rooting for Houston teams going back to the late 70s. The teams that most captured my heart, the Love You Blue Oilers, Five Slamma Jamma, the 86 Astros, the Clutch City Rockets, the 17 Astros, all of them. This Cougar team, this particular Cougar team, the 21-22 team, is in that pantheon for me personally. I mean, the heart, the fun, the true teamwork. And maybe I need to say that again for the emphasis teamwork that these guys showed. And finally, just the ridiculous improbability of it all and all those factors that we've mentioned You know, the Fabian White story you can throw into that with the guy that came out of Houston and loves the Cougars so much and has gone through a couple of surgeries and everything that he's been through and how beloved he is. He's going up in those rafters one day. And when I say that this is improbable, Sean, on Thursday night after the Cougs beat Arizona, FanDuel listed the Cougs as their favorite to win the whole dang thing. The Houston Cougars were the favorite at one point with just about eight games to go in the season or whatever it was.
0: That's incredible. You know, and I think a lot of, a lot of people in the city, you know, felt the same way. I, I mean, I, I know, I know I thought they had a really great chance because look, anything can happen. We just saw it yesterday. Anything can happen. You know, when, when, when shots don't fall, um, You know, when you execute and you set yourself up for those opportunities and you just can't get a ball to go down, um, things like that, you know, I, oddly enough, I felt quite the opposite, you know, with two minutes remaining in that Arizona game when Shed put himself and the Cougars in a very uh, difficult position, trying to break the full court press, got trapped in the corner a couple times, threw the ball away, two turnovers, Arizona gets one more bucket off of that turnover, off of those turnovers to go down. Cougs might not be an elite eight team. And we feel a little bit differently about this squad, but they overcame, they stuck to it. You know, they they're disciplined enough mentally to overcome some late mistakes. They did. They are disciplined enough mentally and physically to overcome a very poor second half yesterday. One of my biggest takeaways from that game against Villanova was the fact that the adjustments that was made at the half by the staff and the players were tremendous. It's a very hard thing to do and come out in the second half and play a completely different basketball game. look like a different team. Aside from their shots not falling, Robert, they looked like a different team in the second half. More energy, more discipline. They weren't biting on the pump fakes. More offensive rebounds. More contesting of shots. You know, less willingness to allow Gillespie and Villanova ease to meander through a lane, kick out, and get an open three. I mean, they made the adjustments necessary to be the better team and to be the best team yesterday. Shots just didn't fall late.
1: One final note I want to make, and I mentioned the Love You Blue Oilers a minute ago. I saw a small announcement after the game on Saturday about the Cougs bus coming back Saturday night at 1130 and a message saying, if you want to greet them on campus, the bus drops them off at the Guy V Development Center. From watching the video afterwards, there was some nice applause there. But man, it'd have been goosebump worthy to have a pep rally Saturday night at the Fertitta Center, a la the Astronome after the Steelers. You know, those two losses in the AFC title game, you know, 40 years ago, it could have been a real scene if U of H bombarded social media and let the Cougs fans in San Antonio, which I don't think it would be too hard to do, let them all know about what was going on. I think you would have had a scene at the Vertita Center. I thought that was a missed opportunity. I'm just saying, Sean.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hell, everybody was in San Antonio. They gotta book it right back to Houston like in a flash, you know, to make that happen. You know, um, it's been such beautiful weather, you know. Uh probably enjoying the boardwalk a little bit, you know, taking in the weekend while they can. But
1: yeah, they they probably might have had their tickets already, you know, or not their tickets, but their uh hotel rooms booked and everything for Saturday night. But that, that was something that maybe if you did it ahead of time, because, you know, there, there's no reason for you to stay there other than, you know, making a weekend of it to to stay in yeah. San Antonio because there were, you're, you're out of games uh, at the site. So, you know, it would have been a perfect chance to say, hey, just follow the team back. We're going to have a big celebration no matter what. Win or lose, we're having a celebration at the Fertitta Center.
0: It would have been cool. It would have been cool. It would have been something that, uh, you know, would have – been remembered for a very long time in in the city of Houston but um i, I got to tell you like there's going to be other opportunities for this you know there's going to be other opportunities and i i think if you're if you're pesman if you're samson if you're Fertita. Um you know, Marina Couture, um, you're looking at this program athletically, not just from a basketball sense, but the entire athletic program at U of H, there's gonna be so many opportunities for these programs to celebrate and really get the city behind them. We're to me, we're still on the ground floor. We're still on the ground floor because for what what Cougar Nation and, and really people that even didn't even graduate from U of H and you know, or maybe just good college fans, average fans of college sports, they know. And they've been saying for years and years and years, man, it's time for the Cougs to get into a power five, to get to a bigger conference. And it's right around the corner, Robert. It's going to happen. And I I just think we're still in on the ground floor and the best is yet to come for this program.
1: Yeah. And the other part that makes me so happy is – we have added a sports season in Houston. It's called college basketball season. It's a thing again. And for the people that didn't get to experience this, like I did when I was a kid, I love seeing it, Sean. People get to see that, hey, this exists. Like, you know, college basketball can be so much fun and it can be its own thing. And, you know, they got Houston on the on the front of their jersey and and, and that should be their, your team. And you could be a fan of that team, you should be as long as it's not, you know, against one of your rival schools in your conference or something like that. Like I'm a, I am went to Mizzou, I'm a Missouri guy, but man, I love the Cougars still. I lo- loved them growing up
0: and I love them today. The new arena, the Fertitta Center has turned it into a destination, an event. I mean, it's not just about March Madness, you know, like it used to be before, like where it was like, oh man, the Cougs got in cool and they're bounced in the first or second round. Okay, whatever. You know, that was nice. It was cool. You know, they put us on the map for, you know, a couple of days. Awesome. No, man, look at the, look, look at the Fertitta Center during the regular season. I mean, people are going to these games. They're having a great time. They're enjoying watching this team. Um, You know, like the campus, I I can't tell you the last time I've been to the campus and I haven't seen cranes everywhere. Like construction is ridiculous. They're always building something, making something better, making something more accessible for people, for visitors, for fans to take advantage of these great sports complexes they've got going on now. Now a new athletic center, you know, is on the cusp and What Tillman Fertitta has done and he's gotten the right people in place and Pesman is a great guy. I hope he's not going anywhere anytime soon. They've made everything there an event. Kelvin Sampson should be rewarded for that um, highly. And, you know, Todd Whitting as well from the baseball perspective. And, you know, look, the football program, let's, let's see if that continues to come along and get back to where it belongs as well. But, you know, to me, u of h is 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 more of uh becoming a destination spot now for your friday your saturday and your sunday afternoon enjoyment well i'm so glad that you could
1: talk to me tonight because you want to have a post-mortem on the cougars for what they've done but you also want to have a celebration
0: i think it's a celebration
1: yeah and and i just i you know thanks for doing this and I, i can't tell you how much i love having you on the show and talking
0: about this Oh, thanks Robert. Appreciate you, man. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget
1: to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a 5-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.